purpose leads to success. This is our purpose series. If you have a pulse, you have purpose. And God wants you to know that the purpose that he has for you is success. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but last week, if you were not here, you really should go on our website. You can click on and listen to it uh, to its entirety. And uh, because I put in there, you know, when I, this is what I hate. I hate what the devil does in a lot of areas. But one thing I hate that he does in people who, when they get older and elderly, you know, they think that their purpose passed them by. And so because of that, you know, they have a lot of regret. Man, I should have, I could have, I wish have. And uh, <laughs> did you get the interpretation? Okay. If you've been coming to this church long, you ought to understand me by now. All right. But, you know, if uh, I, I just hate when elderly people or older people, even people in who think, you know, I'm in my 50s, I wish I did this, I wish I went to school and did that, but you know what, it's too late now, this, and you have a lot of regret. You need to listen to that message last week because God wants you to know that you should never have regret for your past as far as you thinking that you miss God. Because if you still have a pulse, if you still have breath in your lungs, you have purpose for today. You have purpose for today. Whether You say, well, what could that purpose be? You know, I don't know, but I do know one thing. It, even if you make a connection and help somebody. My mom, like I said last week, she just, she would pray for people on the phone. Couldn't even get out of the house, but she would pray for people. She was fulfilling her purpose. And the bottom line is this, that God wants you to enjoy life whether you're 16 or 65 or 106. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So don't live your life. Listen to me now. Don't live your life from a position of regret. Live your life from a position of grace. You know why? Because grace is something that you can't earn it, can't work for it, can't even deserve it, but God gives it to you. Oh, my goodness. I said, oh, my goodness. We talked about the five questions. If you're going to have success in your life, you really need to know these five questions. Who you are. Who am I? Your identity. You need to know where did I come from. No, I'm not talking about Kentucky. I'm talking about where did I come from. I came from God created in his image. And then why am I here? That's purpose. And then what can I do? Potential. You need to know that there's more inside of you than you could ever dream or think. And then where am I going? Destiny. And so if you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you came from, then you're not going to know why you're here. So one of the great things about our church is we're going to teach you and preach and show you the identity that is inside of you, the real you, the real you. And that's not a one-time series. That's a lifetime series. Because Christ is in you and he's eternal. So I can't explain what's in you in one message or one series or one year or five years. Amen. Purpose. It leads to success. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. This is God speaking. Before 
I shaped you in the womb. I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. So God is saying while you were even, while you were still in the womb, he says, your life, I had purpose and I had plans for you. And so this is what you need to know. Every person that is born has in their DNA to succeed. Bill Gates, he may not be acknowledging that God has given him the ability, but it was in him from birth to succeed. You say, well, maybe this person, they, they just had a silver spoon born. Honey, you were born with more than a silver spoon in your mouth. You were born with God's DNA all over you. Galatians 1.15, the Amplified Version, says it this way. But when he who had chosen and set me apart even before I was born and had called me by his grace. That phrase just sticks out. Call me by grace. So every person is called by God, but he's not just called by God. He's called by grace. What does that mean? It means that God's plan for your life. Oh, this is going to be great. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm listening. God has put in every person grace that in the life and the purpose that he has for you that you can't deserve it, can't work for it, can't even do anything for it. But he says, I'm giving it to you because of my grace. Man, that's good news. That's good news. Oh, if I could only have been a Rockefeller, if I could have been a Kennedy, if I could have been this, and if I could have been that. You have the greatest name on the inside of you. His name is Jesus Amen? Being born again. When you get born again, you get the whole package. Everything that you need, everything that you need to fulfill the purpose for your life is placed inside of you. You need to believe that. You need to believe that. Everybody wants to succeed in life. You, ever, you don't hear too many conversations. Oh, I think I'm just going to fail in my marriage. I just think I want to. I'm going to fail in my career. I'm going to get fired. I think I want to get fired. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to fail. I'm going to, I hope my house gets repossessed this week. Yeah, I just want to. I just want, nobody talks like that in their right mind. In their right mind. But everybody wants to succeed. And this is the greatest thing. God wants you to succeed even greater, even more than you. He wants you to succeed. God does. Your heavenly father. That's a good father. I said, that's a good father. Success is a result of your decisions. There's people that make poor decisions in life. If you don't know who you are, where you came from, where you're going, you'll you'll live any kind of life then. And that's that's why people will strap bombs to their body. That's why people do crazy things. You know why? They don't know who they are where they came from, and why they're here, and where they're going, and so they feel like their life doesn't mean anything. That's why science has tried to teach you and me and our kids, you know, that you came from a little blob that eventually crawled out of some scum pond and and became a frog and eventually became a human being. So really, you know, you just, all you are is the scum of a pond. No, honey, you were created in the image of God. You are created in the very image of God. Of God. Life is designed for you to succeed, 
And listen to this. God needs you really to succeed. I'm going to say it again. God needs you to succeed. He wants you to, but he needs you to. You are his advertisement. You may say, oh, I hope not because I'm a poor advertisement if I am. But you can start today in thinking differently about yourself. Your success is good for God. Whenever you see something good or, or new that's happened in your life, you can rest assured that is evidence that God has something completed for you because this is how God works. In Isaiah 46.10, it says that he sees the end from the beginning. So if something's beginning in your life, God has already seen it to its finished and completed state. And as far as he's concerned, it's a done deal. I don't know if you got that. So if something good is happening in your life, God is seeing it as the end is completed and finished and successful. That's why every person, when they get born again, God knows and he sees you succeeding. He sees you succeeding. He put that in your DNA, but now as a believer, we can renew our mind to think like God. Some of you get choked on that. I said that you have the ability to think like God. And the reason I say that, and not, it's not blasphemy, is because this, God is inside of you. He wants you to think like him because he and you have become one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And if you're one spirit, he is doing some thinking on the inside of you. So you should be thinking like him because that's the way he thinks. He thinks for you to succeed. John 10, 10, the Passion Translation says this. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But my desire, this is what God is saying about you. Listen, this is what God is saying about you. But my desire is to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect life in its fullness until you overflow. What he's saying is, I'm giving you too much life. You just have too much. And it's supposed to overflow. That's God's desire. God, listen to me, God wants to help you and me lift ourselves out of mediocrity. He wants to lift you out of being average. That is not in God's vocabulary. Oh, I'm just a, who are you? Well, I'm just an average person. I'm just an average student. I'm just an average this. Did you know that is a lie? It's a lie to say that you're average. Well, there's nothing wrong about being average. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, we just serve an average God. Is that wrong? Well, that would be terribly wrong. You're not average. You're not average in your field. You're not average in your intelligence. You're not even average in your looks. You're not average, and I can prove it. I'm going to give you a sex education class right now. This message just turned into PG-13. I tried to pinpoint this, but it depends on which document and which Wikipedia you, you search, which, which website you get to. 
the ones that I've found, several, it's anywhere from two to 500 million sperm cells that flow to reach the egg of the woman. Two to 500 million with an M. Two to 500 million. You know, people say, oh, you're one in a million. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you are far greater than one in a million, honey. And, you know, I got this. I saw this. I know it's real funny. You got to be careful. But I went and I saw this video. And I saw this, these sperms swimming. I mean, their tails were just a flapping. And they were getting and They were bumping in each other. And it looked like they were fighting, you know, like, I'm going to beat you. I mean, if they were talking to one another, I'm faster than you. I got to get there. And two to 500 million are racing and bumping in each other and going, I'm going to win. And only one wins. And guess who it was? You and you and you, you, you. It was you who won. Out of all the hundreds of millions, you won. Yes. And so you're telling me that I'm just average? You got to be kidding me. Man, that sperm was killing itself to get there, man. It was doing more than just flapping in the wind. It was going for everything that it had, and it won, only one. So from conception, God says, you're a winner. From conception, before you even come out, you are a winner. But this is the problem. This is the problem. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13. But I fear, Paul says, listen, I'm fearless, but there's one thing that concerns me. Is that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. It's more than just lies. It's a lie with its sneaky lie. He says, I'm concerned because Eve was deceived by his craftiness. So your minds, your mind may be corrupted. So the devil wants you and me to get our mind corrupted in thinking you're just average. You don't really have what it takes. You realize that's the devil being crafty, being deceived, trying to deceive you and that you're only average, that you don't have what it takes. You don't have the intelligence. And so I see people who, who dream sometimes, you know, about, man, I like... I'd like to own a business, or I would like to do this. I would like to go to Hollywood. Oh, I would like to run for office. I would like to do this. And, any, and then, you know, oh, uh, but you know, that's just, that's just too much. Really? Are you kidding me? I saw um, an interview of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I don't know if you saw it, it was on Facebook, how... Uh, he was in a very poor situation. Uh, he was not even in America. For what country he's from? Austria. He was in Austria. How many saw that that YouTube video? One. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll try to remember what it said. On this um, YouTube video, it said that uh, he said he was so poor, and he didn't. He knew that there was more to life than what he was living. And so he, he saw this um, muscle guy and how that it brought him out of poverty. And so he started getting every muscle magazine. He pinned them up all over inside of his bedroom. He had nothing. He started pinning these all up, and he started believing that he could be that. 
And not only that, that he would become a movie star. And not only, listen to me, not only a movie star, he would be a top box office selling movie star. He started thinking so big. And here he was in poverty. Lo and behold, one day, it took years, but he became a muscle guy, became one of the great muscle guys of the world. And then he became, his first movies, he said, oh, they were horrible. But he kept doing it, kept pursuing it. Why? Because there was something inside of him. Listen, he didn't realize it, but it's God's DNA. I'm telling you, it's God's DNA. He says, you can be that. You can be this, and you can be that. And he became that. Somebody who was not even, and then he ran for politics, and you go, well, you can't do that because you're not even a citizen. He did, and he won. So don't just say, you know, well, you know, I just, it's just too much for me. You've been deceived in your mind, honey. You have been deceived in your mind. Dreams, thinking. This is what I want you to do this week. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to take 15, 20 minutes. If you can't do it every day, if you remember to do it every day, you should be writing this down, putting it in your phone. I know how you are. You're like me. No, that's a good idea. And then you go to bed and you wake up and it's gone. You need to spend 15 or 20 minutes every day this week and turn the TV off, turn the radio off, totally silence. Get out underneath a shade tree or go by the river or whatever and just, this is what you need to do. Think. I want you to think as big and as great as you possibly can. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Think. You need to think about your life. You realize most people put more thinking in their vacation than they do about things that I'm talking about. Jeremiah 29, 11. This jumped out at me this week. It says, I know what I'm doing. This is God. God says, I know what I'm doing. How many think that God knows what he's doing? Amen. All right. He says, I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future. Now, this is what's jumped out at me. The future that you hope for. The future that what? You hope for. So this is what I started thinking. Most Christians, well, I don't know about most, a lot of Christians aren't hoping for anything, and they're getting it every time. God says, I want to put grace in the power that is on the inside of you, and whatever you hope for, I can bring it to pass. Oh, come on now. Whatever you hope for, God says, I can hook up with that and bring it to pass. I'm the one who can cause things that be not as though they were. I'm the one that can open up the sea and cause you to walk on dry ground. But if you're not hoping, uh, come on now. If you know you're a winner, though, you'll think differently. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, there is power working on the inside of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You need to know that. 
There's power inside of you. What is that power for? What is that power for? It's to bring about purpose and destiny in your life. You don't have the ability to do things that God wants you to do. And that's all right. But the greater one is inside of you. It says the power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose. And his purpose comes from what you have hoped for and do super abundantly. You know, if it just said abundantly, that would have been great. But that word in the Greek, it, it, it's the only English word that could translate it was that, super abundantly. In other words, it's just too much to describe. There is no English word for it to be explained. So super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare, all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That phrase, far over and above all that we dare, I felt like the Lord said this to me. He says, I'm daring you, Mike. I went, what? You know, just like when you were young, and those guys who you hung around with, and they would dare you. Have you ever been dared when you were young, and you did something that you go, that was real stupid. How dare you do this? How dare you do that? I did some crazy things. I said this. You've heard this before, you know. If you've been coming to this church probably more than a year. You know, my, when I was in Louisville, Kentucky, I was about 13 or 14. Both of my sisters played um, we were a pretty athletic family, but both my sisters played softball. They were older than me, and they played, I mean, like it was serious. And uh, there was this tournament. It was in our subdivision. Our, uh, I lived in a subdivision. They had like an a awesome uh, stadium to play softball. It was just softball, nothing else. And they had the lights in the stands, the bleachers, you know, and everything, big lights all around it and everything because they played late at night sometimes till midnight and everything. So there was this big tournament in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was at this stadium. And me, about four of the guys, we were, it was a Friday night, and we were out being mischievous. Translation, not good. So we were walking behind this field, and uh, the softball field. And it was lit up, you know, it was late at night. And uh, so there was this telephone pole with the big electrical box on the telephone pole that had a lever. And one of these guys says, I bet you that's the lever to turn the lights off. And everybody said, yeah. So they said, I dare, one of the guys says, I dare somebody go and turn them off. So this one guy, he went up there sissified, and he goes, uh, no, I didn't do it. I go, no, 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 it's got to be clicked all the way down. So I went up there. I could just barely reach it because, you know, I was five foot two and a half. But anyway, I reached up there as hard as I could, and I went, Ching, and then just went, Kish, boom, it went black. <laughs> it was bad because the baddest People in the world started chasing us from those bleachers because they knew. They saw us back there, and they started chasing us because we did a bad thing. And, uh, but it all came. It all came from a double dog dare you. you, you what did you just say? I, I don't just dare you. In Kentucky, it's a double dog dare you. And if you double dog me, I go, I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to die trying, one of the two, but I'm going to do it. And there's a couple of times I almost died trying to do it. But listen to me. I felt like the Lord said that in this scripture. I dare you to think 
bigger than what you've ever thought before. I dare you. I loved it. I said, are you you devil dogging dare me, God? I mean, because I know what that means. How many know God talks your language? Devil dog dare you to think bigger than you could ever think. I mean, just blow it up, nuclear think. So I've been doing that for about a year or two, more like six months. I mean to think we're, we're going to, I, I started, I go, oh, wow, Lord, this is, this is scary big. This is really scary big. Dare you. So I started thinking about our building. You know, we have a membership about 250, 200, around in there, between 200 and 250. You know, for a church to want a 100,000-square-foot building, if you already have 2,000 members, it's really not that big a deal. It's doable. If you only have 200 members in the 13,000-square-foot building and you're wanting a 100,000-square-foot building, that's pretty big. That's like Pike's Peak big. And then you got 200 members and, or you got about 200 people coming to church and you want a church of 5,000 members. Yeah, that's what I did when I went, 5,000? Yeah, 5,000. You know why? Not just so we can say, oh, we have a big church. What can 5,000 people do for our city? For our state, for our nation, for the world. What, 120 were gathered in the upper room, and the Bible says they, changed, they turned the world upside down, 120. They were in one mind and one accord. He wasn't talking about a Honda either. It was one mind and one accord. That was so old and lame. <laughs> you can laugh at lame in church, though. They had unity in believing what? that they were going to be endued with power from on high. What happened? Every single one of them were endued with power from on high. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2, man. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Fire of God was on top of their heads and went inside of them. They all did. And they changed the world. They changed. The Bible says that Peter, who denied Jesus, got up the next day and started preaching. 3,000 people got born again. He had boldness in him like he never had before. He had boldness within him. That's when people get together and they get one mind and one accord and saying, we can do this. I'm going to put the, there's, we have three, we already have them. We're going to put them on that wall. Where that wreath is, that wreath's going to come down. We're going to have these big monster pictures, three of them, that are going to say or show and say what our vision is. We're going to get a building. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, I just gave that illustration. That was not, you know, accidental. I'm trying to put this together. Stay with me now. We're going to have a building. And we're going to build a a youth center for our city that is going to be state-of-the-art and people from Denver want to bring their kids down here. So it's not just going to be a gymnasium with a volleyball net stretched across and then oh yeah and there's our basketball goal no it's gonna what is it I don't know but it's gonna be like wow so we're gonna build a youth center for our city for our city amen so we're gonna build a church we're gonna build a youth center and then we're gonna help build 
a university in the Congo. Dad's already got the, the pictures, and he showed it to me. It's a three-story with five wings on it. Three stories. It's going to be the greatest university in all the Congo. People from all over Africa will want to go to that college. They say, why do we need to go to America? Let's just go to the Congo. You say, well, that's pretty big. Yeah, it is. Hallelujah. That God will do super abundantly above all that you ask or think. Everybody say, that's my father. And then verse 21 says, he wants to do this to him be glory in the church. So why am I teaching and why are we talking about this? The purpose and the plans that God has for you, ultimately, he wants to bring glory to the body of Christ, to to who our Father is, so that the world may know that there is a God in Pueblo, that there is a God in America, that there is a God in the Congo, that there is a God on this planet, and he's alive and well, and he is still doing great and big things. But the problem is the church has been so small thinking, hopelessly thinking. So I just thought, you know, Pueblo is a good place for that. In Denver, you know, you could build a big church. There's big churches up there already. I mean, there's probably 5,000 member churches or a bunch of... You go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, if you have a church of 1,000, nobody even knows about you. (laughs) That's how many big churches are in Tulsa. There's no place like Tulsa. I mean, you, oh, if somebody says, oh, what church you go to? Oh, I go to someone says, you know, runs about a 1,000 people. Oh, where's that at? <laughs> There's huge churches. So my point is this. I'm not trying to belittle it. It's still a big deal. But if you say, I go to Rocky Mountain Family Church. Oh, we've heard about that. That's a church that has 5,000 people. That's a church that's huge. That's a church that's it's reaching people. That's that church where people go and they get healed. That's that church where you go and you learn how to prosper and walk in all the blessings of God and you find out that they are yes and amen. That's that church who who doesn't really uh, put all the burden upon yourself and, and your performance but believes in what Jesus has done for you and knows that because of what he's done for you, you get the benefit. That's the church that believes that Jesus is still the reason, not only for the season, but he is the reason why you can walk in health and walk in prosperity and walk in all the blessings of God because of him and not because of you or how much I can do or not do. It's because of him. Because God has told me that I have a mandate. We have a mandate. We have a mandate. And that mandate is this, that we need to change the way people think about God. That he's not a hard taskmaster. That he's not out to get you. That he's not holding, are you ready for this? He's not holding your sins against you. He doesn't even write them down. There's no accounting system in heaven for sins. I'm letting you swallow that because some of you are having a hard time. You need to know the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And because I'm righteous, 
Now I can start fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for me. If you don't think you're righteous, you're going to have a hard time fulfilling the plan and purpose of God. And I mean hard. But you know why? Because you're going to try to become righteous. You're going to try to work at it. You're going to try to strive for it. You're going to fast more. You're going to pray more. You're going to read more. You're going to get frustrated more. Then you're going to get ticked at God because you think, well, I, am I doing enough? I know because I worked hard at that. And I kept saying, God, am I doing enough? And repent the whole time. I'm not doing enough. I know I'm not doing enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not praying enough. I should just give up pastoring. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a pastor. Have you been there? Maybe not worthy to be a pastor, but worthy to be to receive the goodness of God, the blessings of God. I'm not worthy enough to live in a nice house. I'm not worthy enough to drive a nice car. You know, I just, you know, a bicycle's fine for me. That's how little you think of your father. Hmm. What kind of God do you serve? What kind of father do you have? There is greatness in you. I said there's greatness in you. And this is the thing. The greatness never goes away. The greatness is not, listen to me, it's not dependent upon your performance. The greatness never leaves you nor forsakes you. The greatness of who God is and all that he's done, it was done before the foundation of the earth. What am I saying? He saw the end from the beginning. That's why Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. Why does it start off that way? Because God knew the end outcome from the very beginning. Jesus was not crucified in the mind or the eyes of God 2,000 years ago. Before the earth was even formed, before man was ever created, Jesus was crucified and resurrected. That's the way God works. Listen to me. He works from the end to the beginning. So when something good starts happening in your life, with your thought life even, thinking big, that is the beginning of something that God has already seen the end of. Wow, you didn't get that. Did you get that? <laughs> when you start dreaming and thinking big, and, not, and listen, I'm not talking about something that you can accomplish in your own ability. If you can accomplish it in your own ability, you're telling me you don't need God. You're telling me that this is not a God-type vision too big for you. I've created some, th- I've done some things, and it was my own creation. I accomplished it. I was a supervisor at FedEx. I was one of the youngest, I was the youngest person on an Air Force base that, to do my job, refuel aircraft in the air. I was wet behind the ears and everywhere else. Young, 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 young. I accomplished that. I did that. Did I, the, God, the favor of God put me there? Yes, it did. Did the grace of God help me? Yes, it did. But you know what? That was something that I was trained to be able to do. There are things that you cannot even be trained to do that's too big for you to even think about being trained to do it. There are things that are big that God wants you to swallow. There are things that are so big that God wants you... Today, if you don't get anything else, God is daring you to think bigger than you've ever thought before in your whole entire life. 
He's double-dog daring all of us today. Can you do that? That guy, he goes, I double-dog dare you. Can you think that big? And you go, oh, yeah, it's just big. God goes, no, that, mm-mm, mm-mm, Little thinking, little thinking. Remember, I'm inside of you. Amen. Who's inside of you? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who is your daddy? Your daddy is your father God. And you don't think he has? He's wanting to do everything that is abundantly far exceeding what you could ask or think. And he says, he says this, that what are you hoping for? The problem is we get disappointed in life. Is there anybody in here who has not been disappointed? But if you're, listen to me, if you live a life of disappointment over and over and over and over again, I've been there. You just get disappointed in every area of your life, in your relationships, in your job, in your health. You just, yes, I am just one big disappointment. And if you live there, that causes so much frustration in your life that you give up hope. God is saying to you and to me today that you need to dream again. You need to hope again. You need just to have hopes in you that you've given up on because disappointment has closed every door in your life. And God's saying, you can open that door and you can start hoping again. You can start dreaming again. Start thinking big again. It takes little effort to do this. But it does take effort. And then once you start getting into the Word of God and reading it, faith comes by hearing. hearing. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to be connected to the hope. Abraham was 100 years old. and The Bible says, who against hope believed in hope. What does that mean? In the natural, there's not two to 500 million sperm swimming out of a 100-year-old man. Ain't much of anything swimming out of a 100-year-old man. And a nine-year-old woman, there's no eggs there. They're long gone. So when you look in the natural and you look at your physical intelligence, your body, your, your potential as far as in the natural, there may be no hope for you to get to this thing that you're dreaming and thinking about. Follow me now. You need to be like our father Abraham who against hope believed in hope. What? You just spoke Greek. No, what I'm saying is there is all, it could be all in the natural. There's no way for this to happen. That's against hope. But God says, I'm inside of you. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything comes new, and I can do far exceedingly greater than anything you can ask or imagine or think of. That's the time you step back and go, I have that inside of me. That's why you need to know who you are, where you came from, and why you're here. All of that package is wrapped up in the goodness of God on the inside of you. I'm telling you, this series is going to change you. It's going to change your life. It's going to stretch you. It's going to stretch you to where, like, oh, this rubber band's going to break. You ever been done that as a kid and you just squint because you go, it's almost there. It's almost there. You know, it's like somebody double dog dare me, you know, stretch it till it breaks. 
God, he won't let you break. But he will stretch you. And he will let you know, I can do this inside of you. But you got to start seeing it. you got to start hoping like that. you got to, and listen to me. Here's the big one. got to start talking like that. That's why I opened up my mouth and said, yep, we're getting a bigger building. Yep, we're building a youth center. Yep, we're building a university. Yep, 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 we're doing that. It, the cat is out of the bag. What is that doing? It's causing your mind to go, did you know what you just did? Yes, I do. I am speaking forth and making a decree that the God inside of me is well able, is well able to accomplish everything that he has placed inside of me, every desire to come to pass. Listen, I I confess as your pastor and repent that there's been times in my past that I had wishful thinking. Oh, you know, I get up on January and go, you know what, I believe we're going to do this and we're going to do that. One year passed, two years passed, five years passed, ten years passed, and it's just everything passed. And it was just not real to me. But, you know, I just thought, you know, I need to be speaking and I need to be saying and it. To be honest with you, it was wishful thinking. There's a difference between wishful thinking and speaking from your heart and desires. I'm thankful God was merciful to me because I said some things that were just Spitting in a wind. But I'm telling you, what I'm speaking to you about this vision, it is not spitting wind and it's not wishful thinking. I stand before you today saying that this is a desire of my heart and God will give me the desires of my heart. In 1987, I had a dream or a vision. I don't know which one it was. You've heard me say it, that the, I was in a deep pit. It was like four by four, and it was mud. When I, The mud would go up to my shins. In the sides of the wall, you could push your hand, and it would disappear in the slime and mud, all four walls. And it was, I, it was hundreds of feet deep. It was just a shaft of mud. And I was, in the, I was in it. And I thought, there's no way for me to ever get out of this. It is what it is. No effort. Listen to me. No effort on my part could get me out of that. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I cried out to God. I have no hope to get out of this. And I saw Jesus at the very top. And he looked like he was about three inches tall at the top of this pit. So I cried out and I said, Jesus. That's all I said, Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, he put his hand down. You know, and you've heard me say this. It was like go-go gadget. It just kept growing and growing his hand down, his hand. And all of a sudden, it, it got bigger and bigger, his hand did. And when it got down all the way to the bottom, it filled the whole pit. And all I did was step into his hand. And he started lifting me up. He started lifting me, lifting me. And I looked up. And as I was coming out of the pit, Jesus was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when he set me up and he put me on a rock, he was this, oh, he was a huge, awesome savior. And I woke up. And then the scripture burned inside of me. It was Psalms 40. Never knew this script, you know, 
1987, I couldn't have told you what Psalms 40, nothing about it. So I turned my Bible. I said, Psalms 40, one through three. What does that say? It says that I lift you up out of the miry clay. I didn't give this scripture to them. Psalms 40, one through three, New King James Version. It says, I've lifted you up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And I've set your feet upon a rock. I've established your goings. Many will see it and fear and praise God because, and sing a new song. I forgot that part. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. You know what the new song is? I just found this, this was 1987. I just found this out last year, 2017. Didn't know anything about this. The new song was about grace. I couldn't do it. But God put a new song in my mouth that I couldn't make any effort to get myself out, to fix myself, to accomplish the desires he put within me. It's by his grace. It's a new song. He says in in Psalms verse 3, I think, many will see it in fear and sing a new song, and they will trust in the Lord. Many will see it. That just came clear to me within the last year. The last year, I thought many. I don't know. There's not, I, I'm not against small churches or, or anything, trust me, because we've been one for 20 years. But when I thought many, that's not 200 people. It's nothing against the 200 we have. I'm thankful for every one of you. But in my definition, 200 is not many. And the Lord says, what is many? I said thousands. I don't know what it is, but it's more than hundreds. It's thousands. So my opinion is this, that what God has done in my life, he has brought me up and he set my feet upon a rock, something I couldn't do myself. There's no way I could do this. There's no way I can pastor a church. There's no way I can get a new building. There's no way I can get a university. There's no way I can get a a youth center for our city. There's no way. But I have come to the conclusion that it's by his grace, it's by him, and it is bigger than Mike Davis, it's bigger than Rocky Mountain Family Church. But he's waiting for you and me since 1987. He's waited for Mike to say, I can think big. I can think big, God. He's placed stuff inside of me and he's placed inside of you. Listen to me. You need to get along by yourself and just start thinking. It's a dangerous thing for a Christian just to think. I don't care if you're 85 and think you're over the hill. God still wants you to think. I'm going to start preaching in a couple of weeks. I'm going to start preaching on vision and goals and thinking big. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss any of this series. And I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to get you here. I'm saying this because God wants to change us. There is a changing element that he's placed inside of us. He wants to change you and me to start thinking so big that years go by, we're going to go, wow, to God be the glory. We all know that's God. He will take anybody and everybody out of the pit, not a pit that you and I couldn't get out of, and he'll put you on a solid rock, which is Jesus, by the way. It's by him, through him, and for him, and everything about him. It's a, a place and a foundation your feet have to be on. And when you start reading the word of God and understanding the goodness, it'll make you want to read more and read more to find out your identity, to find out where you came from, to find out how good your father is. And he knows 
that when you get a hold of this, Joshua 1.8 will come to pass in your life where it says, if you meditate upon this, you shall have good success in every area of your life. God wants you to be successful in your health. He wants you to be successful in your finances. He wants to be successful in every relationship you have. He wants you to be a success, and it's in your DNA. It's in you. It's not something that you have to strive for, but it is something that you have to renew your mind to. Let's stand.